This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, homesickness, childish emotion or universal longing. Going back to colonial America, I found records of the pilgrims being homesick. It's about as American as apple pie. The medical history of homesickness when Radio Health Journal returns. We want to keep our kids safe, especially on the road where risk is greatest. Hi, I'm Debbie Herzman, President of the National Safety Council, and this is your Safety Minute. Knowing that car crashes are the leading killer of children is scary. Fortunately, car seats can dramatically reduce the risks, but only if used properly. So remember, use a child restraint device that is appropriate for the child's weight, height, and age until a standard seatbelt fits correctly. Use a rear-facing car seat at least through two years of age. And remember, little eyes are always watching. Buckle up every trip, every time. Follow these simple tips to help keep your precious cargo safe on the road. Safety Minute is brought to you by the National Safety Council and Volkswagen Group of America. It's a lifelong snapshot in your mind and on your taste buds. Grandma's homemade apple pie fresh out of the oven. Thinking about those times may bring up some great childhood memories that make you nostalgic. Today, nostalgia has a familiar meaning, longing for the past. But once upon a time, nostalgia used to be a medical term, which meant longing for a place, what we now call homesickness. Originally, nostalgia was a word created in 1688 by a Swiss medical student who used it to label people he saw around him who were far from home and seemed physically ill as a result. And a lot of times these people were 30 miles or 50 miles from home, but in the 17th century in Switzerland, that was far away indeed. When he listed how debilitated these people were by their illness and how some were near death and that upon return to their hometown, they would magically perk up and be cured. That's Susan Matt, professor of history at Weber State University. Matt says back in the day, the symptoms of nostalgia or homesickness were thought to be life-threatening. There's a whole medical literature that starts in the 17th century and continues even into the 20th century on how physically devastating nostalgia can be to soldiers as well as to any kind of person far from home. And the Symptoms you might have would range from dysentery to heart palpitations, rapid breathing, high fevers, cough. Some people would literally die of nostalgia. The Surgeon General in America during the Civil War listed 74 Union soldiers as dead from nostalgia and diagnosed over 5,000 soldiers as acutely ill with it. And they took it very seriously in America up till the early 20th century. Um, It was a real disease. And the medical wisdom was that it could devastate your physiology. Experts don't consider homesickness as a deadly illness today. They call it an adjustment disorder with symptoms like anxiety, sadness, nervousness, and an obsessive preoccupation with thoughts of home. Medical authorities don't see homesickness as a physically debilitating disease in the way that they once did. It's not seen as dangerous today. And in fact, today... When people say they're homesick, it's kind of laughed off as this childish emotion that you should get over by the time you're an adult if you want to be really well-adjusted in our culture. So whereas earlier generations really thought it could be a troubling and possibly fatal condition, 
contemporary Americans don't have that vision of the emotion. I think in large part because we expect people to move around with ease. We think it should be easy and painless. That's kind of the modern expectation about mobility. And the reality is it's still not that easy to leave home and leave your family, but people have learned to kind of mask that feeling because they know they'll be looked down on as immature if they don't. A lot of people may think that way, but Matt says homesickness is nothing to be embarrassed about. Whether you're moving to a new place for a job or your child is heading off to college, Matt says anyone at any age can become homesick. In reality, I think people are struggling with it all of the time at all ages. It's not just a childhood condition. It's also an adult condition. Given how much our society moves from place to place in search of better jobs or better opportunities, it's actually a remarkably widespread emotion, yet we are very reluctant to talk about it. I think the harm that comes as a result of that is that people feel odd. They feel marginalized. Sometimes it increases their sense of sadness because they feel like they're the only person experiencing this feeling. So I think it actually worsens the condition of homesickness because people feel all the more alone. In fact, though we might not want to admit to it, Matt says homesickness is something most people experience. Even if you enjoy new places and experiences, the lack of familiarity can still be intimidating. But if you admit to being homesick, then it becomes a legitimate emotion, which often elicits a little sympathy. I think it's remarkably commonplace. Lots of people, if you scratch the surface, will admit to longing for wherever they came from, whether it's immigrants in your neighborhood or people who relocated just across the country. It's visible in so many parts of our culture in terms of the food we choose to eat and the sports teams we root for and the music we listen to. People are often trying to make that connection back to home. I think it's a very widespread phenomenon in our culture, but we don't feel like we're allowed to talk about it. So I wish we could talk about it more because I think people would feel less stigma if they realize lots of people in America have experienced the feeling. And in fact, it's kind of a normal accompaniment to moving, but because we brush it under the table, people feel a little embarrassed by it. Going back to colonial America, I found records of the pilgrims being homesick. It's about as American as apple pie. Homesickness may be an old emotion, but Dr. Chris Willard, a lecturer on psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, says social networks and new technology may make it worse. I think it makes it a lot more difficult to detach. I think that's part of what makes homesickness probably even more acute for kids these days or for adults to be kind of kid sick while their kids are away. We're so used to being able to be attached all the time. Got this kind of digital wireless umbilical cord in a sense that's keeping us connected. Then our kids go off or as kids we go off to camp or somewhere else and it's not easy to get in touch with people. When we're so used to that, it becomes much more likely to create or make homesickness even worse. Willard agrees homesickness is a reasonable response to a big life change. He says a helpful coping strategy is to express your feelings so people can understand. Anytime we get through a difficult situation, it just makes us stronger. So one of the things I suggest that parents do is when their kids have experienced homesickness, that they really talk about it on that drive home or during the rest of the year because it can become this kind of touchstone of, hey, you were homesick and you got through it, you know, during that two-week time at camp. That means you can get through it if you go to a longer camp. That means you'll be able to get through it when you go off to college or you're in another strange situation or our family moves across the state or across the country or something like that. It does give kids confidence when they can get through something difficult. Like the old saying, that which does not kill us makes us stronger, and, and homesickness is like that. So, you know, anytime we're able to get through adversity 
we can really start to see that as a strength and cultivate that as a strength and talk about it with our kids as a strength that they have. So I really think in that sense, it's overcoming something, and that can be really positive. So while it may not be life-threatening, homesickness is a legitimate emotion that happens to just about anyone when they're away from familiar surroundings. It's the result of our instinctive need for love, protection, and security. There's no reason to feel ashamed of feeling homesick because, after all, home is where the heart is. Our writer-producer this week is Heather Muno. Our production director is Sean Waldron. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns with medical notes in just a moment. When your blood, tissue, or biopsy is sent to the lab, it's examined by a doctor you may never meet, but who may make a life-and-death diagnosis. That doctor is a pathologist. A pathologist is a physician whose unique skills are critical factors in your health care. Dr. Richard Friedberg is the president of the College of American Pathologists. Pathologists are the scientists of medicine. We convert medical data from a tissue sample into usable medical information by asking the right questions. The most important questions are the ones that have not been asked. Pathologists ask questions like, what further tests should be run? What other diagnoses should be considered? What do we not see that should be there? And we must constantly look back to improve health by asking about those that don't get well, as well as those who do. This culture of rigorous thought and curiosity drives pathologists, to be precise, to ask and answer those extra questions and to get your lab results right. For more information, go to yourpathologist.org. Medical notes this week. We've all heard about good cholesterol, but a very large new study suggests that you can have too much of a good thing. The study in the Clinical Journal of the American Society of Nephrology shows that both low and very high levels of HDL, or good cholesterol, are associated with an increased risk of early death. Researchers admit they're surprised by the findings. Previously, doctors had thought that the more good cholesterol people have, the more it could counteract plaque-building bad cholesterol. Now they admit more studies are needed. If you want to learn something, scientists say get some sleep. And now a new study suggests that you'll learn even better if you sleep in between study sessions. Research in the journal Psychological Science shows that sleep makes it easier to recall what you've studied and relearn what you've forgotten even six months later. And finally, if you like bananas, you'd better enjoy them now. A fungal disease called Sigatoka is already reducing banana yields by 40%. And a study in the journal PLOS Genetics finds that fungal diseases have recently evolved to become more lethal to bananas. Scientists are scurrying to develop more disease-resistant plants, but if they fail, the banana industry could be wiped out in the next 5 to 10 years. And that's Medical Notes this week. More in a moment. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net. <laughs>